You are listening to Eastern Conference Wednesday on the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators alongside Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs here to take you through the happenings of each week in the Eastern Conference. Right now, we're still on the heels of the Hockey Hall of Fame induction. We're going to take a super early look at who some first eligibility players are next season and then turn our attention onto the ice. Who are the risers and fallers from the past week and the top storylines right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen on this Wednesday, November 16th. The Locked On NHL is free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where you can also find every other Locked On NHL show. We've got 35 every market covered, including each of the spots in the Battle of Ontario. You can find Mike at Locked On Leafs and myself, Ross Levitan, at Send Central, Locked On Senators podcast. But Mikey, Hockey Hall of Fame has come and gone. Daniel Alfredson, the Sedin Twins, Roberto Luongo, and some very well-deserving off-ice members. And the first European woman was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. What did you think of the speeches last night? I thought they were good. You know, I think it's it's always you got that fine line, dance it between, you know, being serious. But you also do want to have a couple of jokes in there. Because if you can make the whole room laugh, you know, you, you've done something good, right? You've made a good speech. But it can't be all completely jokes. And, you know, I think the one that a lot of people were looking forward to. I mean, you specifically were probably looking forward to Alfie just being, you know, look literally uh, above your shoulder right there. Obviously, being a, an Ottawa kid, born or bred. Um, and being the host of Locked On Sense, but Roberto Luongo clearly was somebody who a lot of people were were keen on when it came to listening to his speech. I thought he delivered pretty good. There's a couple of solid jokes in there, um, uh, some really good stories in there. He thanked everyone he had to do. Uh, the Sedins were quite funny. Henrik taking a jab at Daniel, saying uh, 70 per- as the coaches used to say, 70% of a Henrik better than 100% of Daniel. So I thought that was kind of cool, just the the, the the good jokes and stories that were told yesterday. I thought they all did a pretty masterful job with their speeches in their own right. Well, hey, I had a Roberto Longo poster on my wall way back in the day growing uh, up. You're a goalie-friendly show, so of course you're a big Luongo guy. Heck yeah. He kind of made the connection between – it was like Patrick Waugh brought in the butterfly – then you started getting into these bigger goalies, and he was the first one that kind of put the two together where he was a massive creature, but he mastered the technique of going down in the butterfly with Francois Allaire, and he yeah. was really able to put that all together. Huge, huge well, uh, respect for Roberto Luongo. And that was that was something that he noted in his speech, right? He said, you know, when I was younger, I was just – I went from being this Grant fan of Grant Fuhr to being – a structured goaltender, and he thanked Francois Lair for that, um, who at the time was doing great things with Patrick Waugh, obviously. And uh, now he's got Roberto Luongo on his resume as well for guys he coached up and ended up into the Hall of Fame. Yes, and let's stick with goalies because looking ahead to 2023, actually, let me give a full shout-out to the rest of the Hockey Hall of Fame inductees. I mentioned the first European woman, Rika Salinen. She was unable to attend, unfortunately, and then the family of Heard Carnegie 
uh, was there as well. So congratulations to that entire uh, class of 2022. But I mentioned goaltenders like Henrik Lundqvist is the only first ballot you see 100% next year. Yeah, like I was taking a look at some of the names you've got. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who I think is probably a, a lock to make it as a first ballot guy, a tremendous goaltender for the Rangers for so, so many years. But after that, you know, there's some guys who maybe eventually they'll make it to the hall. But, you know, Jay Bomeister, Justin Williams, I saw somebody, um, someone was trying to make a case for Mark Crawford, which I thought was interesting. I've never looked at, or uh, sorry, Corey Crawford who I've never looked at as as a Hall of Fame caliber. You know, won a couple cups, but I, I didn't think of him ever as a Hall of Famer. But his name got brought up as, as well as Seabrooks, I think just for their time with Chicago. But uh, I, I, I think this is finally going to be the year next year where there's a lot of guys who have been held off of ballots the last few years with some very strong classes coming in, right? Like this year you saw the Sedins and Luongo and Alfie like all get in this year. You know, the Sedins are first ballotters. The Longo's a first ballot. Was uh, Alfie first ballot? Was this his first oh, year? No, he had to wait four years. He waited four years on yeah. the ballot? 2017 was his first year of eligibility. I don't know why. I thought he played hockey until like 2015 or so. Oh, I guess not. Fourteen. Uh, anyway. uh, one year that we don't talk about. That's oh right. The, so the year the year with the Red Wings. Yes. Um but either way, I think that the Red Wings was, oh, Henrik Henrik Zetterberg should be on the ballot for next year, in my opinion. 100 percent That's what I'm getting to is is I believe that this is gonna be the year where there's one first year eligibility and now they get some catching up to do, right? I think Henrik Zetterberg is a guy who who I believe should be on the ballot. Alexander McGillney to me is somebody it's it's disgusting that he hasn't gotten into the Hockey Hall of Fame yet, considering the career that he had in the National Hockey League internationally. Like it's it's honestly quite embarrassing that he still hasn't gotten the call to the hall. So he's someone I'm strongly believe in should get it. Uh, Rod the Bod Brindamore is uh, eligible and potentially could be a guy who ends up getting in there. Curtis Joseph, good old Cujo out uh, goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs potentially. I got a, a this him or him to get in as a goalie. Are you putting Cujo ahead or Chris Osgood? Cujo. I put Cujo ahead. Would you, would yeah. you have Osgood there? I think so. The Cups do it the for Cups? Me. Yeah, the it's Cups. so good in that 08 run, too. Like, it was him. He took the job from Hasek, didn't he? Uh, wasn't that when Hasek went back to back to Ottawa? No, to, this was 2008. Who played in the – who? I'm pretty sure – Chris Osgood definitely played in the in the uh, finals in 08. He did, but, but I, I think was, – wasn't Jimmy Howard the, the goalie at the time, though, his backup? I don't know if Hasek ended up being back there for that season. I got to find this out right now. We had well, a, a young Jimmy Howard, I believe, was with Osgood. No, ha- wait, goalies playoffs. It's saying, oh, yeah, no, Hasek was the backup. Hasek got four games, four starts, went two and two with an 888. And then a 35-year-old Chris Osgood came in with a 930 save percentage. So the first round was tied at two. He comes in, goes 14 and four as a 35 year old to win the cup. So was it the next year then maybe when Jimmy Howard came into the fold, when they went back to back with Pitt, maybe that was, was what I was thinking when they ended up going oh, back to back next there. Year, that next year was all I was good again. 926 save percentage that yeah. next year. But who was Ty his backup? Conklin. Who was his Ty backup Conklin? though? Ty Conklin? Yeah, weird. Why do I remember Jimmy Howard playing playoff games for this team? I don't anyway. know. I don't know either. Apparently, it didn't happen. Well, it did, but much later in the process. But anyway, right. I, 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 I personally 
think Cujo should be. Paul Paduti actually um, is a, a real interesting name. He has, uh, I think it's Adjusted Hockey on Twitter. He's put together what he believes is like the formula for the Hall of Fame. We chatted with him on, on Leafs Lunch, and he believes that Cujo has just as much of a um, Hall of Fame resume as Henrik Lundqvist, funny enough. Um, based off of the point system that he's put together, which is, you know, a point system predicated on previous people who have got in, which I thought was really interesting. So, you know, Cujo's a guy who I think might get the call of the hall this year. All right, we'll see. But when you look at Alex McGillan, that should be a no-brainer. This guy's right. a member of the Triple Gold Club, Olympic Gold, World Junior Gold, Stanley Cup champion, Maurice Richard winner. Like, what more do you want from an NHL player? He didn't hit a 1,000 games. But he certainly hit a thousand points over a P- PBG player in his entire career. I, I just don't get it. Uh, I got one for you for who you think would get in here because there's two other names that we haven't mentioned that I think are on one of them might get the call. Okay. Sergey Gonchar uh, is a guy who a lot of people are talking about, or potentially Jeremy Roenick or Keith Kachuk. Which of those three you think is most likely to get in next year? So neither, no, sorry, Gonchar does, but neither Kachuk nor Ronick have the cup, but I think this year proved that it's not a requirement anymore. I'm going to take out Sergey Gonchar right off the bat. I think he certainly had those years in Washington that, that like blew you away, even with Pitt. Like he kind of helped. Pitt, yeah. I, I, I remember him with Pitt mostly, to be honest with you, just because oh. of, of, you know, the age, I guess that I am, but um. It's funny you say that because I kind of thought that too, but I was looking at um, ESPN, like Greg Wyshynski put out his uh, predicting the Hall of Fame class, and the guy who was fourth on his list was Sergey Gonchar. And I was like, hmm, he's someone who I thought was more so outside looking in. Yeah. And he had him as the fourth guy to go in this year, which I thought was interesting. So I thought I'd pose that to you out of those three players. I think we're all in a similar boat. Yeah, I mean, you look at Jeremy Roenick probably had the the highest peak, right, with those 300-plus point seasons in Chicago, whereas yeah. I, I don't think Keith Kachuk reached that more than – no, never. He hit 98 with Winnipeg the year before they moved to uh, Phoenix. But I think that that peak probably pushes Roenick ahead. But then, I mean, they're both over 500 goals. You look at it there, like, hey, wouldn't it be a cool story if those two Arizona – remember they were teammates back in the day with Phoenix? If they could get in together, I think that would make for uh, a ton of fun. With Gonchar, man, you look at the longevity. It's super impressive. 20 years, 1,300 games. And, uh, yeah, he certainly had a good peak too. I, I just don't know. He he leaves me – he has no Norris. Like, he never was even a finalist. He finished fourth. He was like the definition of always a bridesmaid. He finished fourth in Norris voting three times. And only the top three get officially nominated. So, hey, so close, but so far. And that's almost how I describe his Hall of Fame candidacy. Like, lots of, of good moments. And he did get – he was on that 08 Penguins team, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly yeah, so, was. Yeah, he's, like, so, he's, he's like the Hall of Great. He's one of those guys, right? Where it's like not quite the Hall of Fame, but maybe the Hall of Great. Yeah. Um, where they yeah, put him with Spezza. He and Spezza can be in their yeah. own wing. Yeah, the Hall of Very, Very Good. Yeah, I would agree. Jennifer Botterill, by the way, um, nine years that she's been eligible. I think this would probably be the year that she gets in there. I think the growth we've seen in the women's game, she was clearly like one of those pioneers that was right there alongside like Haley Wickenheiser and them. She was terrific. I think Jennifer Botterill has the chance to get into the Hall of Fame as well. 
Yeah, I certainly think so. That's, that's a great call. It's always fun to reminisce about the good old days and, and see. And just to, to finish up with the guys who are first year eligible, a guy who I, I want your opinion on this, and then we'll move on to some storylines around the NHL right now. But to me, Brent Seabrook is the kind of guy in like 15 or 20 years from now when, when the wear is off, you're like, oh, what? He's got two Olympic gold medals, three Stanley no. Cups. He played this many minutes. I could see him being like the Kevin Lowe of of uh, getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I I hope that's not the case. I really don't because like he really had maybe three good years, but he happened to win a couple of cups in those years, and they weren't even great years. They were just good years. Like I don't know him and him and Duncan Keith clearly were like a dynamic duo there for a couple of years in Ottawa. But to it's me, tough. he was always he like you talk about bridesmaids. Like he was the bridesmaid to, to yeah. Duncan Keith. He was never the top defender on his team. He was never considered a top defender in the NHL for any stretch. Um, I, I don't know. He 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 has the the success, the team success. But to me, to to get into the Hall of Fame, there's got to be some individual success. And you know, Seabrook never actually achieved that. So I I I'd be shocked if he uh, found himself in the Hall of Fame. I think he's you know all of good, all of great, whatever you want to say but he's not quite Hall of Fame worthy for me. Yeah, it was more tongue-in-cheek to an extent, but uh, his partner for sure will get in, maybe even first ballot, because you look at the only players with multiple North oh, I think he is, 100%. 100% Duncan Keith, first ballot Hall of Famer, hands down. Yeah, are you putting Eric Carlson in the Hall of Fame right now? Hands down, yep. Eric Carlson, certainly a Hall of Famer. The dude was electric for like three, four years there before getting that event, before that injury. Um, and that's kind of criteria for me is, is is being a Hall of Famer. It's like, we're, can you write the story of the NHL without this guy in it? I don't think you can when you talk about electrifying defensemen through the mid-2000s, 2010s. Yeah. yeah, so I brought that up because Duncan Keith and Eric Carlson are the only two or more time Norris Trophy winner that aren't in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and neither are eligible. So we'll keep an eye on that as it goes on. All right, let's get into some NHL chatter, but first, a word from our friends at Built Bar. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and it comes in so many great flavors as well. Our friends at Built send us stuff all the time, and this one is one that I want to point out right now. The raspberry flavor, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see right now, raspberry flavor. You like raspberry, you like chocolate. There's nothing better than a Built Bar that looks and tastes like a candy bar, but then I look over here at the nutrition facts, only 130 calories, only two and a half grams of fat, and it's huge in dietary fiber and protein, 17 grams of protein packed right in here. Easy to take with you, whether you're going to work or work out. It's Built Bar. It's the protein bar. It tastes like candy bar. And head over to Built.com, and you can use our promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your next order. It's Built.com. Promo code locked on 15 for 15% off at built.com. You are locked on NHL local experts. On the biggest stories, you're listening to the Wednesday Locked on NHL, where we cover all things Eastern Conference. With Mike DiStefano, I'm Ross Levitan, and the Boston Bruins are still the bell of the ball in the East, and they've only gotten better 
since last week. We're like, hey, Charlie McAvoy's on his way back. And now he's right back to his spot as one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Dude, this team's lost like one game in their last 13 or 14. And it was to the Maple Leafs. But it's like they legitimately had, was it an eight-game winning streak leading into the Toronto game? They lose. And now they've had four straight wins since then. Like, it's absolutely insane what this team has been able to do. They add Charlie McAvoy into the mix. They get, what, two goals in in that debut that he made? Um, Scored a goal. I I remember Marshawn, when he came in his first game, scored a couple of goals. Like, they just honestly keep rolling, and and they're getting the goaltending from Lena St. Allmark, who's been outstanding so far this season. Yeah, the Boston Bruins, um, I didn't see this coming, man. And I did not see this coming. If you would have asked me, what do you think is more likely at this point in the season? And keep in mind, at the beginning of the year, we didn't know that McAvoy or Marshawn would be would be back. We've kind of anticipated late November, early December. But at this point in the year, they'd be closer to a fourteen and two team or a two and fourteen team. I just would have said probably two and fourteen with all the injuries that they have. Here they are, fourteen and two, top of the East, top of the NHL. It's it's it's. It's Boston, man. It's that culture. It's next man up mentality. And it's kind of like the last dance in a way. And it's going well for all of them right now. So 14 and two on the season. You said they lost the Leafs. Any idea who their other loss was to? Uh, That would be against the other team, the little brothers north of uh, northern Ontario up in Canada, I believe. Yes, that's correct. A good home opening, 7-5 win. And to put that in perspective, the Bruins allowed four goals in three games this past week. The Bees are buzzing, and a guy who went to college in Boston is getting booed. Johnny Goudreau makes his first trip with the – plays the Islanders, plays the Rangers. He's getting booed in every single building in New York. They all thought they had a chance to get him, hey? Dude, this guy made the worst decision I've ever seen a guy make, and it, it, it keeps getting worse. Like, first of all, left, like, something was like $14 million on the table to sign in Columbus over Calgary. And then on top of that, you'll look at the season that the Flames are having. First, Zach Wierenski goes down for the season. He's out. Your big boy in the back end. And then you lose Patrick Lyonet for a month. And now it's Johnny Goudreau sitting there saying, I wonder what it's going to be like the rest of the year. Because at this point now, Ross, I uh, I don't think Columbus is going to make the playoffs. Uh, they might be in the petard sweepstakes the way that this season's going. And Johnny Goudreau sitting there being like, why did I make this decision? I could have went to any of the other teams, not only in the Metro, but also in Calgary. But all those Metro teams that they could have went to are all thriving. The Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils, who were a top team that were considering him. And he decided to go to Columbus. Columbus. Oh, hi, oh. But hey, we look pretty good standing next to Connor Bedard. Those two, their games would be electric together. That would. You're, you're not wrong. It would be electric together, but I don't think anyone anticipated that team having a dash 23 goal differential with uh, Goudreau and Lion A on that club. Yes, I'm actually completely aside. I'm going to see Connor Bedard play on Thursday night. Fired up for that. This guy's selling out every single rink that he's playing in in the WHL, Mikey. It's a, sold out bar. it's a sold out barn when Connor Bedard comes to town. I saw that. I definitely did. You're going like with the ice. You're going to check yes. out a nice game. Yes. Well, the ice got themselves a couple of like solid players as well, right? Like 
They're number one in the whole WHL. They're number one in the CHL in the power rankings that came out today. Guess what their record is, Mikey? They've played in 19 games. Their record is 17 and two. They are 18 and one. Wow. They're on a 13 game winning streak. They've scored 87 goals in 19 games. That's unreal (laughs) for the Winnipeg ice. That's wild. Absolutely wild. The next most goals in the entire league is 78. So they've got nine goals more than any other team in the, in the WHL. They're a complete wagon. Well, I mean, Matt, Matthew Savoy is just an absolute, like that guy's just unbelievable. I assume he's having a, an unreal season start to the year. Matty Savoy. Uh, he's got 19 points in 15 games right now with the ice. And Carson and- Lambos has 17 points so far. Looks like Zach Benson is killing it right now. Connor McLennan. Owen Peterson. There's actually a lot of names on here that I was not expecting. I thought it would be more, uh, Connor McClellan, the Flyers let his rights just just go. And then now he's just free agent. He, they've got a couple undersized guys, but that can just play. Like even the Zach Benson kid. And hey, check out Locked On NHL Prospects, new show with Hattie Kalakash. He's going to come on with Locked On Sense next week. We'll get uh, the lowdown from him. But Zach Benson, 26 points in 19 games, complete stud, 17 years old. So we'll be looking for his name come draft time. I'm almost ready to start looking at the draft as an Ottawa Senators guy. That's how bad it's been in Ottawa with eight losses in the last nine games, Mike. Things are not looking good. And I was starting to call for DJ Smith's head, and those those calls are only getting louder. So who so who do you think is more upset, the Ottawa fan base or the Blue Jackets fan base? Because both teams made some really big additions and swung for the fences this offseason, obviously you look at Goudreau. That was the biggest signing of the offseason. They went to Columbus. And then Ottawa was moving and shaking all over the place, wheeling and dealing um, Pierre Dorian this summer. And it really hasn't led to a better start to the season. Like right now, Ottawa dead last in the Atlantic, 5-9-1. and nine and one. Like you said, they've lost seven of the last eight games. I, who do you think is, is in more hot water right now or, or which fan base? is um, more upset, Ottawa or Columbus? I think Sens fans are just frustrated because, like, I'm pulling it up right now. This stat jumps out at me like a sore thumb in here. I can actually zoom in just because we're, we're focusing on the teams here at the bottom. Look, look at that. So the Sens are the fourth lowest team in the league. Look at the differential of all the teams around them and then where they sit at a minus two goal differential, but they can't win. All nine of their losses have come by one goal without empty netters. One goal. Every single one. And you know what's funny? What's funny about that? The last two years, that was considered a good thing, right? The fact that they all, you know, they're pesky. They keep it close. They really give them a run for their money. They've been, you know, they are taking points. They're competitive. And now that they're on that other side of the, uh, they're supposed to be winning games. Now it's like, oh my God, they can't seem to close out a game. Every time it's close, they can never get over the hump. Now it's looked at as a negative or for the last two years, that was a positive thing for, for the senators. Oh yeah. It's wild. But some teams are still overperforming. Who are they? We'll let you know right after a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors.
sure you're subscribed to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. That's where you can find all the other great Locked On shows like Locked On Leafs, where Mike DiStefano and David Marsudi have all things you need to know about the blue and white team. You know, it's tough, tough to, for you to probably hear. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs have played one more game than the Ottawa Senators this season, but have scored six less goals and have eight more points on <laughs> in the standings. That's what I was going to say when you mentioned like the big moves that the Sens made and they should be better. Like Claude Giroux is on a nine-game point streak. He has 15 points in his last nine games. He's playing unbelievable. The Cats finally scoring goals. And he's at almost a point per game. Brady Kachuk is on pace for 95 points. It's almost it's almost as if the question mark coming into the season was defense and goaltending. Yeah. Yeah, and almost, I wouldn't even almost like that. Like the decor, and it's a five-man defensive thing, which is why a lot of Sens fans are getting on coaching. A lot of a lot of five-man breakdowns in the D zone. And yeah, they're they've been out without Artem Zub for the last nine games. Hey, they've lost eight of them. Um, that's I'll actually a big loss. I'll say this though, and I'm actually going to steal this line from uh, a friend of your show, but also a friend of Overdrive, because he said this on Overdrive, and it resonated with me for Maple Leafs perspective as well. He said, look, if Artem Zub is going to sink your team, you had zero depth on the blue line, and it was doomed to fail from the get-go. Who's this? Mark Mathot. Oh, Matt said that? Matt said that. I'm yeah. going to challenge him. We, we've got him coming on every Friday. But, uh, yeah, that that's fair. I, I never wanted the big splashy chicken deal, though. And, by the way, I know we'll save this for our friends out, the Western Conference edition of Locked on NHL, but – Jacob Chikrin's set to make his season debut in the next week or two after off surgery. So maybe that gets the market moving because he came out and publicly said, I want to get traded. Right. He's got family ties in Ottawa, but do they need a left shot guy? I think the right side's super weak. Hey, did you see Nikita Zaitsev trying to fight a fan? No. Oh, we got no, no, he never got assigned to Belleville. So he just cleared waivers and now he's just a healthy scratch. It's a wild story. We tried to break it down on Locked On Sense. So there's this meme account that like mimics Bruce yeah. Gary. Go check out Locked On Sense. If you talked about it, let's go tr- yeah. just drive it to the show. Go check it out on Locked On Sense. Bottom line, he said, is somebody made fun of him on Instagram, didn't tag him. His dad started sending middle fingers to the account in the DMs. Call They, they think it's Bruce Garriock. Like They think it's actual Ottawa son Bruce Garriock, but it's just a, a kid. And then Nikita Zaitsev said, meet me in person tomorrow, face-to-face, answer me right now. And the DMs went public. Anyways, we'll get into that more Locked on Sense. What's your biggest story you're looking ahead to this upcoming week in the East? I mean, I'm, I'm always looking forward to what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they got some. They got a tough matchup this week against one of the East, well, the the beast in the East right now. And that's the New Jersey Devils Thursday night. That's going to be a big game between Toronto and, and Jersey. And, you know, it, can I call the Devils like my team? Can I say that that was my squad? I was pumping their tires pretty hard ahead of the ahead of the season, calling them a playoff team. I mean, they're rolling right now. They've got nine wins in a row. And and I think that uh, the, that's the game that I'll be looking forward to most is how can Toronto handle that, right? I think Matt Murray will be – he makes his – 
debut actually made well i guess we're recording this tuesday but he made it tuesday against pittsburgh probably will get the start also against uh, the new jersey devils as well so you know i'll be curious to see how murray looks uh, against that team but man the devils look good and and they're a fun team to watch like they're so explosive which is not something that i think i even anticipated i liked a lot of the uh players that they had but I didn't think they were like this explosive. Like I said, seven plus 17 goal differential. They've got 55 goals so far on the year. And you've got guys like Jesper Brat, Nico Heischer's filling the net right now. Um, obviously, Jack Hughes. Like they've just got so much offense from so many people. It's a deep squad out there. So anytime I get a chance to, to pop on the tape of the Devils and with me covering the Leafs, that's a game that I'm certainly looking forward to uh, in particular this week. Nine straight wins for the New Jersey Devils. And what they did that Ottawa didn't over the last two years is address the back end. Ryan Graves last summer. And then this summer they bring in John Marino. Those guys have been huge difference You're makers. Forgetting Dougie Hamilton last summer as well? Not just last. I, I, wasn't that two years ago? Anyways, he missed a bunch of time with injury, but he's back in a big way. Yeah, that's a huge call. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. Like They've always kind of had... They've had the forward group, right? It was a it was a matter of health, realistically, and they really haven't gotten good health out of these guys in a long time. Um, you know, Brat, Heischer, and Hughes. I think they've played like in the teens games together. That's how uh, insane it's been. The injuries that these guys have sustained the last few years. Uh, but yeah, like 19 points out of Jesper Brat, 17 points at Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes also operating at a point per game, but they're also getting contributions like Miles Wood has six goals so far on the year. You got Thomas Tatar, 11 points. Um, they're getting it from, from everywhere and they're getting stable goaltending from this Akira Schmid kid who's come in and, and started two games for the, uh, for the devils. And, and he's got a nine twenty save percentage and a buck 63 goals against. Could you imagine they go out, they trade for Vitek Vanacek. They bring back Mackenzie Blackwood announces 22 year old Akira Schmid, who's been their number one goalie so far this year. I find that to be kind of hilarious, too. We'll see if he can keep it going. Obviously, very small sample size. But if they can find a goaltender in in New Jersey, good luck. That's a cup contender right there. Next week, we'll have even more in-depth coverage on New Jersey because they're playing Toronto Thursday, Ottawa on Saturday. This is always the Battle of Ontario edition of the Locked on NHL podcast every Wednesday on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube as well. Next week, we'll also get into some risers and follows, follow, followers, if I could speak properly, uh, next week. And then, yeah, we'll also we'll set up. We're going to be in U.S. Thanksgiving week, which is always a big one, Mikey. I do have one more question for you. Ooh. Islanders 8-2 and two in the last 10. Are you buying back in? No, they looked horrible against Ottawa last night. All right. That's All right. So I'm I not in. Play. I'm not in on the New York Islanders, despite how good – Elias Sorokin is. However, how about this for a stat on the way out? How many assists can Matthew Barzell get before scoring his first goal of the season? He has 18 assists in 17 games, zero goals. That's insane. Mark, Matt Barzell scored one of the prettiest goals of last season. The fact that he doesn't have a Geno yet is wild, considering that team is 11 and 6. Has yeah. 57 goals, which actually might lead the entire NHL. 57. No, Boston's got uh, 65. But 57, I believe, is good for second in the NHL. 
good for fourth behind uh, Vegas, Boston, Edmonton. So they've scored the fourth more goals in the NHL. Not one of them scored by Matt Barzell. That's insane to me. Insane. And then oh, you double oh. that up, and I'll put it up on YouTube because it just looks hilarious. The guy who he's tied with for the team lead, Brock Nelson, and the guy who he's one point, two points ahead of, each have an even amount of goals and assists. Nine and nine, eight and eight, and then zero and 18 in between. Who else is scoring for that team? Oh, Noah Dobson. What a sweetheart contract he signed this summer. Five goals. has got five. Five for Everyone's got five. Palmieri has five. There it is. There it is. I mean, that's kind of what, what that team needs to do is score by committee anyway. So uh, good to see, I guess, out of, out of the Islanders. They didn't do anything this offseason except, you know, move on from their coach. <laughs> and they're hoping that that was enough. Obviously, so far, so good. Sorokin, that's what the nine. Well, 32 save percentage out of Sorokin, 920. And a Simeon Varlamov. Yeah. I, I, Varlamov's in a contract year, isn't he? Yep. I wonder if there's a team out there that makes the move to try and get Varlamov out of New York, get themselves a, a, a quality starting goaltender. There's a lot out yeah. there that could use one. It Both teams be in Ontario could probably use one, use that guy. I'll say that. But yes, potentially, yes. yeah. So, I mean, even. The Devils, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, unless Sakira Schmid's it, but the Devils could potentially use that. I don't know if they'll do an interdivisional yeah. trade, but interesting stuff. Yeah, Scott Wedgwood, or sorry, not Scott Wedgwood. He was there years ago. Uh, Matt Blackwood, I got my woods wrong. Um, Blackwood's been injured, injury, through injury trouble the last number of years. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised as well. I know he's out right now, but they need an insurance policy in the back end. 100%. Okay, next week is Thanksgiving week in the United States, which means, what, 85% of if you're in the playoffs on that day, you're pretty much set, and if you're out, good luck? Yeah, it's it's the, the numbers are quite staggering, but that's about the time where we're... The, the hockey gods allow us to really look and get an understanding of how the season's going to go and how things have gone so far. Unless you're the Blues. All right. Deep dive coming next week right here on Locked On NHL. We'll hand it over for Power Ranking Thursday. But for today, we say goodbye. For Mike Stefano. I'm Ross Levitan. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NHL and all your favorite Locked On local podcasts.